This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. This is The Talking Dead, number 374, recorded on Monday, April the 16th, 2018. Beware the Ides of April? No, I don't think that's a thing. No? Okay. Well, I tried. All right. Good for you. We are here to talk about the season finale for season eight of The Walking Dead. It's very, very exciting. Another season behind us, Jason. How do you feel about that? I have mixed feelings about that, Christopher. Do you? I I have a feeling we'll get into those as we go through the evening here. As do I. And I am looking forward to it. Uh, we've got lots coming up on the show here, of course, your holy craps and our recap. But first, I want to talk about our Record Your Favorite Scene contest, as you might have guessed. And the reason I want to do that is because now you are kind of actually running out of time to get your entries in. Before now, there was lots of time, but now you're sort of running out of time. Yeah, I know that feeling rather well. You have lots of time, lots of time, lots of time, lots of time. Shit, I got to do this right now. <laughs> that's, that's the way deadlines work. Yeah, you, yeah. you have Taxes, lots of time. for example. Lots of time. It's only January. I haven't even got my T4 yet. Lots of time, lots of time, lots of time. And all of a sudden, dude, do your taxes. Because there's one day left or three days left or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of like that, but we're not quite at that point yet. I have decided that the official deadline for the contest will be Sunday, April the 22nd at 11.59 p.m. That's uh, next Sunday. That's so about a week, like I said, after the season finale. And you and I, Jason, will announce the winner on Monday, April the 30th. We will be recording about Fear the Walking Dead that night, so we'll use that podcast to announce the winner. Okay, that sounds groovy. And so I, that gives us a little bit of time to actually go back and re-listen to them all and have our, you know, uh patented slap fight correct uh, discussing it and then uh, and then come to a conclusion of some kind. Correct. So about a week more to receive entries and then about a week after that for you and I to slap fight it out and pick a winner. Yeah, first uh first man to draw tears wins. <laughs> all right. <laughs> sounds good. Um, blood not blood. Tears. Blood is fair game. It's tears that is the deciding factor. All right, good. <laughs> that should take about a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Now, I am going to play another entry here, and uh, I'll let you know who this comes from after you listen to it. Here it goes. When I was a kid, I asked my grandpa once if he ever killed any Germans in the war. He wouldn't answer. He said that was grown-up stuff. So I asked if the Germans ever tried to kill him. But he got real quiet. He said he was dead the moment he stepped into enemy territory. Every day he woke up and told himself, Rest in peace. Now get up and go to war. And then after a few years of pretending he was dead, he made it out alive. That's the trick of it, I think. We do what we need to do, and then we get to live. But no matter what we find in D.C., I know we'll be okay. Because this is how we survive. We tell ourselves that we are the walking dead. Thank you very much, Kermit the Frog, for that entry. 
That is fucked up. <laughs> Isn't that weird <laughs> to hear those words? Those, of course, are Rick's words from season five, episode 10, coming out of Kermit the Frog's mouth, uh, also known as Sky in Belgium. Yeah. So that's awesome yeah. and creepy and weird and, and awesome. Fucked up. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that entry. Uh, we've, we've had a few more in the last few weeks, but uh, I will play another one next time we record, but I don't think I'm going to get or be able to play all of them before the deadline, just because we don't have that many podcasts left. Uh, but I also thought this would be an opportune time to run through the complete prize list once again, uh, just so people know. And if you want to get a late entry in in the last week, this might be a little bit of incentive. So here is the complete prize list for the Record Your Favorite Scene contest. First off, The Walking Dead Monopoly. The game, mm-hmm. that should be fun. The Walking Dead hardcover, book number 14. Also a, 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 an exciting prize. The San Diego Comic-Con exclusive All Out War G.I. Joe inspired covers. That's nice. uh, only available at San Diego Comic-Con, the complete set. Those are very cool. A We Are the Walking Dead postcard from the first Walking Dead supply drop. That's in there. A Walking Dead coffee mug, also from the supply drop. The All Out War Negan versus Rick t-shirt, again, from that supply drop. And a Walking Dead 100th episode lanyard from the supply drop. Keeping it going, we've got a Jesus pop figure by Funko. In case you want to look that up, it's number 389. And a Carl pop figure by Funko, that's 388. I've got a Clementine hat. From the Telltale game. That's very cool. I don't know if those are still around, but uh, you know the one. It's a white and blue hat with a D on it. Mm -hmm. We've got some Talking Dead podcast stickers in there. A Talking Dead podcast t-shirt, which is our original design. And it's signed personally by you and I. Fancy. (laughs) If that is exciting to anybody. Uh, And one more thing, which is Dungeons and Dragons related. And I need you to remind me exactly what that is. It's the Dungeon Master's Guide. Very good. For, of the fifth edition D and D. Very good. You're going to have to get that to me, or you're going to be responsible for sending it to the winner yourself. Well, I could uh, figure that out. Either mail it to you, bring it to you, ship it to you, send it to somebody who would then bring it to you. Probably uh, just sending it to me or delivering it one day would be easiest. But yeah, that'll be in there as well. And those are all the prizes that are going in that box. So uh, if that gets your juices flowing a little bit. What you want to do is pick a scene from any season, any episode of The Walking Dead, record it by yourself or with your friends or family and fire it into us. And Jason and I will slap it out, choose a winner. And in a couple of weeks from now, we will uh, announce the winner on the podcast and then send you all this awesome stuff. So exciting. Get those entries in. All right. Thanks for listening to that, everybody. Now let's move on into our recap of Season 8, Episode 16. Do you remember that movie from the 80s? It was spelled W-R-A-I-T-H. Nobody could ever figure out if it was supposed to be The Wraith or The Wrath. I guess it doesn't matter, because the title of this episode is Wrath, the season finale. Jerry. Jerry the cow. Yeah? Jerry, what are you eating? Grass. What? Grass. Jerry, don't speak with your mouth full. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Please welcome to the stage, Michael Anthony, Alex Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, and Dave Lee Worth. You sure do. I thought it was Dave Lee Roth. Pretty certain it's Dave Lee Worth. Fuck it. No one will ever know. All right. Thanks for those title reads from Chris on the internet, Paul in Whitestone, which apparently is the next village over from the guy in Countessthorpe, UK. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike in London and Jenny on the internet. So uh, those were a little more performative uh, title reads, I would say, this time. That, were, that was awesome. Good stuff. Uh, all right. Let's get right in, Jason. Cold open. We start with kind of a flashback in a way. We see Rick, younger Rick, walking with young three-year-old Carl up a country road. So this is... I hope so. Nobody actually says this is Carl, but we can assume it's not just some kid he kidnapped, right? Let's assume it's Carl. Uh, this right. was, of course, mentioned in Carl's letter that, that we had Rick read last episode, so... That's pretty good evidence. Pretty good, yep. That's yeah. that's what's going on here. We get... That, uh, that got me right in the feels. Did it? It, uh, it, it kind of did. And at the... Uh, spoiler alert, at the end, it, it, it got me even more in, in the feels. Because uh, is there a term for uh, feeling nostal- nostalgic about the future? Because my son's pretty young. He's not as old as uh, Carl would have been in that picture. But I look forward to going for walks with my son and him holding my hand and just... I'm waiting for this goddamn fucking piece of shit, stupid winter to goddamn well end. <laughs> pardon my Pardon my language. Uh, we've got an ice storm up here and it's the, like the worst winter bullshit you can imagine. And I'm, I wanted it to just be, I just wanted a nice day, 10 degrees, kind of sunny. I could go for a walk with my son. So I'm looking forward to it. And that just kind of uh, tugged at my heartstrings for, it's kind of, it felt like nostalgia for something that hasn't happened yet. Well, you know, I wasn't. Is, is that a thing? Uh, it might be. I don't know if there's a word for it though, but. I feel like there should be. I wasn't going to bring up the weather this time because you're right. It is just freaking awful here right now for the middle of April. Uh, But, you know, we live in Canada, and so we have to put up with these things once in a while, I guess. Although even this is unusual for us. Um, But, you know, I'm not surprised that this got to you a little bit. Your son is younger than Carl is in this, but he's not that much younger. No, and we actually spent quite a bit of time walking around the house, and he reaches out and grabs our hand, grabs my hand, and says, Daddy, walk. And then we walk around the house. Yeah. It's really nice. I want to go for a walk outside. This is what I wanted to do this weekend. This is what I wanted to do last weekend. It's what I want to do next weekend. So this kind of hit home for a couple of reasons. One, I look forward to just taking a walk with my son. Two, I want to goddamn well do it now, but the weather's so stupid shitty, and the only place you can do it is the mall. (laughs) Uh, How stupid boring is it to walk around the mall? So... Uh, maybe next weekend. I think, I feel like the weather's going to be better next weekend. I sure hope so. And, uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's nothing better than walking around holding your kid's hand when they're little. It's great. So this, this, it, it hit me, you know, just for a number of reasons it, uh, it hit me. All right. Well, look at you being Mr. Big Softy. I'm a, I'm a big sap ever since my son was born. I'm, it's crazy. Totally. Well, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Back to the episode, we cut immediately to some close-up shots of zombies, some good-looking zombies, I would say. And we get a shot of Al, uh, Savior. Good-looking Al. Al. Good-looking Al. (laughs) Walking down the road, followed by a lot of good-looking zombies. So that's that. We have uh, 
Rick comes into a room and he attends to baby Gracie. This is at the hilltop, of course. Sadiq shows up with the bottle and Rick asks Sadiq how it happened, meaning how did Carl get bit? So he yeah, sort of- play the, the pronoun game. Yeah. When somebody says, do you, are you him or- uh, do you know him or uh-huh. how did it happen? It's just, it's just like, okay, the audience has to figure out what the fuck they're talking about. Well, it's not that hard in this case, I don't think. No. Really, uh, Rick is finally at a point where he kind of wants to talk about it a little bit. And Sadiq goes on to explain about his mother and how she believed that people's souls were trapped inside these monsters and that killing them would um, let the living soul move on to an afterlife. And he says that Carl wanted to honor a woman he'd never met by killing the zombies, but he also says it was a dangerous situation and he should have thought about that, but he didn't in the moment. And uh, he says all that's left of people we lose is their ideas. So just kind of hammering home the fact that, yes, Carl is gone, he's dead, but his ideas remain and you can't forget those. So we go outside. Henry tells Carol that they're going to beat them today and asks if she'll come back to the kingdom after. So again, they don't really say what's going on, but Henry says, we're going to beat them. And we, the audience, know who them are, <laughs> who them is. <laughs> who them is, yeah, yeah, for sure. We've got Jerry and Ezekiel. They are chatting about you know how this might be their last day and so on. But Jerry has an incredibly upbeat attitude towards everything. And says shit like three, four times. This was a great scene. I thought it was fun, you know, and ultimately- It was good, but they got their shit quota, uh, you know, they hit the maximum because I think uh, Negan a little bit later on uh, says crap instead of shit. Oh, well, they must have hit the shit quota then. You're right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Jerry hit the shit quota for the episode. It sounds like it. Well, it was, I like this scene and it ends with them sort of both smiling and doing a fist bump. So they're feeling okay. We we see Daryl, Rosita, Michonne, Carol, Maggie, and Rick all planning their route and what they're about to do. They question whether Gregory has true information. So they're not 100% sure that what they found out from Gregory is true. But Maggie seems to think so because he wouldn't come back unless he actually believed that he had information that would help himself. Yeah, but he's an idiot. He right? is an idiot, yeah, and, a, and a, a sniveling little piece of shit, too. So so we have a sniveling, self-involved, piece of shit idiot, groveling, little weak, snivelly little man who has information from uh, somebody who's a known traitor. Like, he's, he's known. He's sure he's, uh, he's a traitor from, uh, uh, from mm-hmm. the saviors, but yeah. he's a known traitor. So we have questionable information from a known traitor passed along by this snivelly weak little guy can you trust the information absolutely not well daryl is pretty skeptical in this situation and he says dwight might be setting them up but maggie's point is uh gregory wouldn't come back here unless he knew unless he really thought he had some way to help and like sort of help himself in the in the same in the you know Help them and therefore help himself is what I'm trying to say. So she believes that he, at the very least, thinks he is delivering good information, which, you know, doesn't really make a lot of sense because there's no reason that they they could, there's no reason for them to believe that Gregory has any idea really what's going on. Yeah, because he's he's a moron. (laughs) He doesn't know anything. No, exactly. But they have to do something, so they decide to act on it. Uh, Morgan passes by and as usual lately, he seems really agitated. So Carol goes to him 
and uh, asks if he's okay, but the gate suddenly opens, and here comes good-looking Al with all the saviors behind him. This freaks Morgan out. He goes to attack them, but Henry stops him. Uh, now, Morgan knocks Henry down, too, so this is a eye-opening moment for him, I think. And when good-looking Al comes in, he says they cleared the walkers from the wall by drawing them away, and uh, he basically tells Maggie that he wants to continue helping, and she says that uh, that's that's okay, but you're still not one of us. Yeah, no kidding. You're still a them, mister. Right, right. But you know what? He's trying. He he took those zombies away so they wouldn't get in the way when they do decide to roll out in a minute. Right. So he went for a walk. That's, that's fine. fine. He's He's helping out, I think. Yeah, if I could help by going for a walk, that'd be nice. Sure. I'd like that. Stupid weather won't let me, but whatever. <laughs> it's all you want to do right now. I'm just going to keep bringing up the weather. Oh, I great. I hate it so much. It, it is absolutely awful this weekend. Uh, Rick questions whether Morgan should come with them at all, because he recognizes that Morgan is not quite all with it right now. You're but, a liability, my friend. Yeah, that's pretty much what he's saying. But Morgan insists because he thinks he can help keep everybody alive because that's kind of what he does. Although he does have trouble articulating that in this scene, I thought he, he sort of, it seemed like his mind was all over the place, which was good. I yeah. think good acting on uh, Lenny James's part. Always, always. I think what he, what Morgan needs is a really long walk. <laughs> I just think I need, I think he needs to go for a really long walk, probably south. I think that maybe, you know, south and a little bit west probably. Yeah. You know, head head that way, I think, would do him some good. I think it really Clear would. Head. Yeah, I think it might be very helpful. Uh, but M- Morgan continues by saying he's lost everything and they can't go back, so it's time to finish this. But Rick doesn't agree. He says we haven't lost everything, not yet. So at this point, the main team, and I can't list everybody because it's pretty much all the main characters that are at Hilltop except for one or two, they all move out, they leave the hilltop, and we follow and see Rick and Michonne holding hands as they go. Nice. I felt like they were holding hands a little awkwardly, but I didn't care because I also thought it was quite a nice scene. And this op- this cold open overall, I thought was really, really good. Uh, yeah. As you said, it started with uh, something that made you all emotional. I thought... The uh, final scene with them holding hands did the same thing. And, you know, it just felt like everyone was just doing their job really well. They were planning. They were they had their shit under control. I thought it was uplifting to see Henry say they were going to win. Jerry and Ezekiel had that really good feel good moment, you know, and I was just feeling really great about this whole thing. And I think that's exactly what, you know, the the show wanted us to feel. So they did a good job there. So I got uh, I got emotional when I saw a man walking hand in hand with his son because uh, I wanted to walk hand in hand with my son and you got emotional because you want to take a walk uh, holding your g- girlfriend's hand. I guess I mean so. your wife, your wife, your wife's hand. Right, right. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Not your girlfriend, your wife. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, but it all, the whole thing worked really well for me. Everything I thought, man, I remember thinking to myself, all right, this episode is starting really good. I hope we can maintain that through the whole finale. Uh, All right, after the opening credits, we are inside the sanctuary, and it looks busy. There's people everywhere. We see Negan's wives go by. We've got Eugene and Father Gabe in the crowd, and we see Dwight, who is wearing one of those A jumpsuits, so he's now a prisoner. Where's everybody going? Huh? Where's everybody going? Everybody's walking in, like, random directions. This is, uh, what is this, uh, the garbage heap? Yeah, they're they're taking a cue from the garbage people. 
but I think they're all just, they all have jobs. They're all preparing. They're all getting ready to go. And it's like the main food court in a mall. Like, where are these people all going? <laughs> There's no, nothing around here. I don't see a Baskin Robbins. I don't, I don't see a, a Cinnabon. Where are they going? Uh, I, I think they all have jobs. They're getting ready. They're packing their stuff. They're organizing their weapons. You know, they are just uh, getting organized to, to head out. That's what they're doing. All right. Yeah. Uh, Dwight, he's in the jumpsuit. He looks all beat up. So they've, they've roughed him up a little bit. And Negan instructs his people to load him up, referring to Dwight. And then Eugene gives Negan a test gun to fire at a dummy wearing a Rick t-shirt and the gun fires perfectly. Yeah, well, that's not how you test ammo. You don't test ammo by taking uh, ammo from the person who made it. You test ammo by testing a random sample. Well, maybe. Maybe when, if it, you know, in a controlled real-world environment. But this is Negan's sanctuary. They're preparing to roll out for war. And there's Eugene. And Eugene comes up and says, hello, Mr. Negan, in his unusual way. Why don't you take this gun and take a couple of test shots at this convenient dummy I've set up that says Rick on it? Yeah, that was handy. I mean, it, it, he might as well have wrote prick on it. That kind of would have been funnier, but... <laughs> Brick. Yeah, prick. Uh, so Eugene goes on to outline the plan of a large single line of fire to take down the hilltoppers in one foul swoop. And, fell swoop, my friend. Or fell swoop. You're right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Sorry. That's fine. I don't mean to pick on you. That's fine. fine. We'll just move on. No, no, no. It's probably a, it's an, it's an autocorrect thing. And I just, you know, if I write it down, I read it. <laughs> oh, I see. So you're Ron Burgundy then. I am Ron Burgundy. I'm Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Uh, Negan, Negan, he wonders... Can I write notes for you then? Is that possible? I'm not sure that's a great idea, but maybe someday. <laughs> I think it's a fantastic <laughs> idea. Yeah. Negan, he wonders if Eugene wants to watch his friends all get killed all at once. And Eugene says, it's not that he really wants to, that he, it's that he needs to. Right. So he, he's just reinforcing the fact that he is Negan at this point. So then Negan gives a map to some red shirts with blue hair. Guy, dude we've never seen before that I know of and uh, then he asks Father Gabe to tag along because he wants to confess some shit he says handy very handy to have a traveling priest with you that's right yeah they just uh, maybe with a priest with them we can avoid narration because it's not actually narrating anything it's confessing it's confessing right? it's talking to another character in the back seat that's right yeah we go into the forest and Rick and his team are sneaking around and they see the blue hair team. I'm going to call them. We hear Negan voiceovering, speaking of narration, saying that he sent them out as a decoy, knowing full well they'd all be killed. And he says that he doesn't enjoy sacrificing his own people, but these were Simon's guys. So might as well be them over anybody else. Yeah. Fuck them. Do you think they'd all look at each other and go, weren't we all Simon's guys and now Simon's dead and Negan <laughs> knows about this? Maybe we got an issue here. You know, this does seem like a bit of a coincidence. Let's uh, try to be extra careful this time, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, you know, they don't. They aren't extra careful, I guess. And Team Rick kills all of Team Blue Hair. Blue Hair with the Buckethead zombies. Right. Bucket, funny. Buckethead zombies. Yep. Negan is in the car somewhere else and he's explaining that he knows Rick will be skeptical of the intel he received because of who delivered it. So this is Negan really thinking things through, um, seeming to know, have all the angles covered. That, and, it's not really a good con. 
you don't give somebody information and expect them to believe it. You have to make them find it. Like even like from the beginning, it has to be their idea, right? Have we learned anything from Sawyer on Lost? Anything at all? It can't be given to them from you. They have to discover it themselves. Well, I think that was the idea with having Gregory send it, right? Maybe they'd believe that Gregory was the one who stole it and brought it back. Yeah, still. They have to believe that Gregory's on their side, which they don't. So it doesn't this really This is a good work. way to con uh, Dwight, but not anybody <laughs> else. Okay, fair enough. Well, so Negan's kind of knows what's going on, right? He's... He says that he planted a fake map with Team Blue Hair, um, and he believes this will convince Rick that he's figured out Negan's real plan, and what <laughs> what Rick will think is the real plan is actually the real trap. So it's kind of kind of confusing, but that's what I got from it. Uh, we see Morgan kill a savior, the one remaining savior from Team Blue Hair, who's sitting against a car and basically begging for his life. But Morgan slit his throat. He did. He he. He foreshadowing sticked him, sticked him and then slit his throat yep uh and then morgan sees another vision this time of uh jared and he's kind of taunting him jared is he jokes about trying dying sometime <laughs> you should try it sometime it's all <laughs> well, of- no i don't think so yeah i don't think so uh, and jared says to morgan that he can't kill his way out of this so this is morgan's conscience maybe telling him that you know, I can't kill everybody and expect to make good or just move on. So, yeah, it's like trying to dig yourself out of a hole. It doesn't work. You, yeah, you got to dig up. You end up in a deeper <laughs> hole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back in Negan's, uh, oh, they find the map, of course, that this comes up and they get going. So they move out thinking they're going to go to the actual Negan location to get them. Now, back Mm -hmm. in Negan's car, Father Gabe questions whether Negan really wants to do this, because, you know, who would actually want to do this kind of thing? They swerve to avoid, you know, a stealth zombie that was standing in the middle of the road, and Father Gabe takes this opportunity to open the door and jump out the back seat. Yeah, good man. Yeah, he's trying to get away. We go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we're right in the same scene. Father Gabe is rolling down into the ditch. He gets up and he runs off, but as we know, we can't. He can't see very well, so he's which is why he jumped out of the car, right? He doesn't know how fast they're going. He doesn't know where they are. It's just uh, you know, if he could see, he probably would be too scared to do any of that because that's just stupid. But if he can't see, uh, it uh, he's taking a leap of faith, if you will. I guess so. Right out of the back seat of a car, yeah, he could have landed in anything, really. Yeah, I mean, I've jumped out of a moving car before, but I timed it so that I would land on the grass. <laughs> and right? I knew what I was doing, and I knew how to roll right. so that I wouldn't die. You had full vision. Yeah, and I was 19, and that's what you do when you're 19, and you jump out of moving cars or ride on the roof and various such things. <laughs> Skateboard behind it with like a water ski rope. Yeah, I told you about the time I was on the roof of the car, and they oh, got yeah. that car up to 100 kilometers an hour. Yeah, I've heard that story, and it... I'm standing on the car. That doesn't make me feel good at all about your chances of survival. No, I uh, I should not have lived to, my, to be 20 a couple of times. Well, thankfully, you uh, live to be this age and do a podcast about a TV show. Hooray! Or this may be just a dream as I'm dying in the ditch. Jeez, I hope not. <laughs> what, does <that laughs> say? what does that say for me? Uh, anyways, Gabe gets up, he can't see, he's running through the woods, but not very fast. So they, uh, everybody in the car gets out and goes after him. He gets tangled up with a zombie, but is saved by Laura 
and Eugene who shows up and Gabe says that Eugene can't do this, but Eugene threatens him into submission basically. And then Negan comes up and knocks him down. And it does look for a second, like Negan is going to Lucille father Gabe, but he doesn't. And he says, load him back into the car. Yeah, He's not done with him yet. No. And it's just another scene where you'd think Negan would bat somebody and he chose not to. We go over to Team Rick, who is on the move, and Jesus is talking to Morgan about his attitude of killing everyone, and he says that he isn't really keeping people safe by doing this. And then Jesus has, I think, what for me was almost the line of the episode. He he takes Morgan's stick and he says, use this end for the dead, pointing at the, the uh, pointy end, and yep. this end for the living at the blunt end. So... I really like that scene, to be honest. And, you know, Jesus has barely been in the second half of this season, but I really thought this was great, and it almost made his absence worth it to have this scene, because I thought it was a great scene. Well, I don't know if I'd, I'd I liked the scene, too, but I don't think it makes up for his absence. Like, where where the hell has he been? I, I You know, I am saying almost. I don't know where he's been, but we finally got a little Jesus, and I think it was a really good scene. So, yeah, I mean, I can firmly believe that Jesus was talking to Morgan and would offer him good advice for which end of the stick to use uh, based on uh, who you're attacking. Totally. I, I think they did that before. There was uh, muskets, and I think if you were attacking Christians, they used round balls, and if you were attacking uh, other people, they used the square balls because they they had point points on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all depends on who you're fighting for the, the level of... Uh, uh, destruction. Sure. Well, the whole thing ends with Carol coming up saying, Jesus, I'm really starting to like that guy, which was kind of the punchline <laughs> to it all. And I thought that was funny enough. That's funny. <laughs> um, all right. So where are we? They look, uh, as they're walking, they look down in the distance and they see an absolutely massive herd of zombies kind of like down in a valley. Uh, back at the hilltop, we see Savior cars approaching and Tara takes a team out, which looks like some sort of secret hatch out the back door. So Always. just a uh, quick shot of what's going on there. Yeah, like Starlock 13, uh, Hogan's Heroes. There you go. Why not? Always having a, ski, a secret escape hatch. It's a very important. And the Under hill- the wall and come out in, the, in an old hollowed out tree trunk. Hilltop has one of those and they just went through it. I want one of those. Sure, you could build one in your basement. Right out to a hollowed yeah. out tree trunk in the backyard. As soon as this weather friggin' breaks. Oh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep bringing it up. I think you might, yeah. Team Rick, they come to an open clearing and they hear Savior whistling. So they all, of course, raise their guns and Negan gets on a megaphone, although they can't see anybody yet. And he starts... So they stand there. Sorry to interrupt you, but the, okay. the first thing they do is stand there and let themselves become stationary targets. Well, I mean, I was thinking about this a little bit, and if they all ran, they'd all just scatter in different directions, and that probably wouldn't be that helpful, would it? No, well, you need a leader to say, run this way, and you break through their lines. What What if right? they all hit the ground, like like got on the ground, so they were, they were much more difficult targets to hit? That's what I was uh, thinking. Yeah, probably not a great idea, because uh, if they pick this spot to ambush them, they're ready for that. Right, I suppose They're, they've got to have uh, they ha- they know you know they have grenades left from what they attacked Alexandria with, mm-hmm. so they didn't use all their grenades. I bet they probably still have some grenades. Uh, so, you know, 
going on the ground, all bunched up like that, not a good idea. The only way out of this is to pick a direction and run. And if they're completely surrounded, that means that Negan's uh, people are all spread out in a great big circle. So your chances are you're going to not be attacked by everybody. You're going to be attacked by the people in that direction, and there's going to be people chasing you and stuff. But the only thing to do is to pick a direction and run, exactly what Negan says a couple of minutes later. Right, well... They don't. They just wonder where everyone is, and they can just hear Negan talking at them over a, a megaphone or something like that. Although, when did we you s- suspect that they weren't actually even there? That it was just uh, Negan radioing in uh, from somewhere else? No, that never occurred to me. Really? I thought maybe that because we couldn't see him. Maybe I thought maybe it was a fake out that Negan was like somewhere else doing something, and there was one guy with a megaphone. Uh, just faking them out somehow. Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> That thought never occurred to me, but I don't, I'm not sure where that would have gone. Like, that means that they think Negan's there, and he's not. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. know. It's, it's like Pokeroo. Like, we saw Rick and the gang in one shot, and we saw Negan in another shot. We didn't see them both at the same place at the same time. Yeah, that's true. So I didn't I Either they were the same person, or they were not in the same place. At all. Right, right. Well, that's not what's happening. Uh, we go to a commercial break and we come back and Negan is kind of taunting Rick over the radio. He says that he can run in any direction, but it won't matter, as you mentioned. And he also mentions that he has his old friends, Eugene Dwight and Father Gabe. Um, and he says the important thing or the important thing that Negan says uh, that, that I thought about was that Dwight didn't ream them on purpose. So he Negan is kind of telling Rick here that Dwight didn't do this on purpose. And I think we needed that for the story so that Dwight yeah. can become a member of Team Rick later on. Yeah, we needed that for plot reasons. Exactly. No other reason, but just so that, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. Right. Like it was completely useless information, except that we needed a way to forgive him. We need, that's exactly it. Yeah. So that's why he was listening through everybody there. And the whole thing was to tell Rick, that Dwight actually isn't that bad. So Negan starts counting to three, and when he gets uh, to three, the saviors all come over the hill in a giant lineup and open fire. Yep. Except they don't really open fire because all of their weapons blow up in their hands and most of them go down dead or with serious injuries, including the gun in Negan's hand when he tries to shoot Father Gabe in the back of the head. There's still stuff going to be coming. Uh, anyway, don't worry about it. So all their guns exploded. Gun physics, if you're standing next to a gun and it blows up, it hurts. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what, where, because at, uh, at that point, uh, you know, the barrel doesn't mean anything. So it just, it blows up in like all kinds of directions. So if you're pointing a gun at somebody and it misfires and it blows up, you get it in the face, they get it in the back of the head. It's a mess. Yeah, it's all a mess. But all of the saviors uh, are now, everyone who tried to fire a gun anyways, basically has an injury. And Rick and the team take this opportunity to counterattack. We see Negan with a bad hand wound. And he realizes that Eugene did this. And then Father Gabe and Dwight attack him, but he manages to escape to cover uh, amongst the cars. Uh, before we find out anything else, we go back to the hilltop and they are escaping into the woods. Baby Gracie is crying uh, in Enid's arms, so they can't really hide in there. 
And Tara decides that she's going to slow down the saviors who have just arrived. But good looking Al and the good saviors, I guess we'll call them, agree to help her. Otherwise, it would have been her all alone. Right. Well, good for them. Yeah, very good. Back to the battle. Regina goes after Eugene, but Rosita saves him. So look at that. Rosita's now saving uh, Eugene. Morgan takes down a savior, and he decides to use the blunt end of the stick while Jesus watches. So he's taken his yeah. advice to heart. Nice. Or forgot. He's pretty <laughs> insane right now, so who knows? He is, but I I think he definitely just, you know, he, he was going to kill him, and then he made a conscious decision to, um, you know, to not kill him and just knock him with the blunt end of the stick. Does he think Jesus is dead? Because everybody else who's giving him advice is dead already right so <laughs> yeah maybe he may maybe think he thinks jesus maybe it's good advice from a person that uh morgan thinks is already dead could be i don't know who knows what morgan thinks at this point really it, it's got to be confusing it must be like, yeah you know getting advice from living people getting advice from dead people and oh man as far as that, you're concerned they're all standing right in front of you so who's alive and who's dead yeah he's pretty you know he's not bloody for someone who's dead that's confusing yeah very confusing uh, okay. So Tara back over to them is watching the bad saviors approach and suddenly out of nowhere, they explode. And guess what? Oceanside arrives led by Aaron and they're throwing Molotov cocktails and blowing up the saviors. Nice. So all of that was so they could show up at the last second and help Tara and all the remaining hilltoppers escape, uh, safely. Nice. Okay, um, back on the battlefield, the remaining saviors decide to surrender to Team Rick. They all drop to their knees, but Rick, of course, goes after Negan directly, who's hiding behind the tree with the stained glass hanging from it. So this is just turns out to be a random tree with stained glass. Yeah, it, pretty much. I'm not sure what that stained glass is doing in that tree, but it's there. I guess this, this was somebody's stained glass tree, and... Uh, I don't know. There's not really that, any explanation fine. for it other than that. Yeah. I might do that. You know, if I had some stained glass and I was wandering, you know, through the fields and I saw a tree that it might look good on, I might hang it on the on the tree. Well, I guess so. Somebody must have. Uh, Negan is injured, of course, and it looks like he can't really hold his bat right. So him and Rick fight. They both get some good shots in. Rick takes a couple of kicks to the gut and goes down. Now, Negan says that he should have killed Rick when they first met, and if he'd killed Rick then, Carl might still be alive. So he's just rubbing salt in the wound at this point. Yeah, he's just being a dick. Which he does, you know. Now, Rick manages to kick Negan down, and as they're both sort of getting up, Rick starts talking about having a future, and he says, give me 10 seconds to talk to you about it. Give me 10 seconds for Carl to talk to you about this future. Right. Did you know that? Okay, so... 10 seconds go by. I counted mm -hmm. between when Rick says, give me 10 seconds until Negan says, go ahead and talk. Exactly 10 seconds goes by. So he gave him 10 seconds and then said, start talking. Go ahead. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I, I thought he was waiting and was going to say time's up, but he didn't. He said, okay, go ahead. I guess he and was then, thinking about it. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of weird, okay. but fine. Well, basically, uh, Negan um, 
He can, does he start counting? He starts counting down, right? And Carl he or, does, yeah. And I mean, Rick is talking about how Carl had the right idea and, you know, so on and so on. We can live in peace and this and that. And to me, I thought Negan sort of hesitated a little bit and started thinking, you know, maybe this guy's got the right idea. But Rick takes this chance to strike a blow with a broken piece of glass from the stained glass and he slices the front of Negan's neck open and he collapses to the ground. Ouch. So it does not look good for Mr. Negan here. And now we get another shot of Rick and Carl walking up the country road. So you were probably in tears again, Jason. It was very, uh, yeah. Even watching it now, like I watch it as we, as we go through. Okay. I'm a little choked up. All right. Well, I just want to go for a walk in the fucking weather. Oh. <laughs> All right. I'm not laughing at you. It's just No, I understand. It's just funny. I'm so frustrated and angry at the weather. Well, cut back to the tree. Rick drops the glass and he's covered in blood. He calls to Sadiq to save Negan. And so Sadiq comes forward, goes to Negan while Maggie realizes what's going on and starts screaming that it's not over until Negan's dead. She becomes hysterical, wanting wanting Negan dead because, you know, he killed Glenn and so on. And Michonne has to hold her back, uh, or she probably would have just run forward, and they both kind of collapse to the ground. Uh, Rick speaks to the remaining saviors and says that this is over. He says they can all go home, but you all have to live in peace and find common ground. He points to the giant herd that they saw earlier in the distance and says, you know, we're life, that's death, and it's coming for us. Yeah. So we've all got to work together against it. If you slit somebody's throat like that, is that survivable? Well, I don't know. It depends on the injury, how deep it is, where exactly in the neck it is, I think. And, you know, I'm pretty sure we're going to have some listeners questioning that. And I know we do have some doctors that listen, so uh, chime in for our feedback show on Thursday. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of important things going on in your neck, right? Like a lot. Oh, there's yeah. a lot there that is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like there's, uh, uh, you know, a big thing of muscle that can you can cut through and it just kind of goes, well... Now I can't just bend my head this way. I mean, we got veins and arteries and your throat and your voice box and your, uh, you know, some vertebrae at the top there. Yep. And the back near your neck. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's. Your, yeah. You're, it's so, it just, it strikes me as the kind of wound that in, you know, I wouldn't expect it to be survivable. Uh, unless you're, in, you know, have uh, your evac in a helicopter to the nearest trauma center. Well, yeah, I, I'm and kind Sadiq's of not a trauma center. No, I am kind of with you there that it didn't really look that survivable, but it could have been a more sort of uh, surface level wound than we think that just so Negan a lot. just collapsed out of uh, shock. Maybe I mean, I if my neck is sliced, no matter how bad or good it is, I'm gonna be pretty upset and probably fall to the ground. I would have been fucked up with the hand injury. I'd be like looking at my hand going, oh, son of, I'm, I got a thing for hands I and if, uh, and I don't like hand injuries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At that point, I'd be done. Right. I'd be, I'd crawl under a car, stick the hand in, like it's, he's got a glove on too, which in some reason makes it seem worse to me. Cause then you got like friggin' glove in the wound <laughs> and you got to 
to to clean that out, you got to pick the glove out. Oh, gross. It's just yeah, you see or glass. I don't like when there's glass, but yeah, I'd be done at that point. But yeah, you cut my throat like that, I'd probably collapse too. But I'm not Negan, right? Well, maybe the culmination of it all, you know, just got to him a little bit and he goes down. Like he is not going to fight anymore. Of course. Yeah. Anyways, um I thought Lauren Cohan was amazing here, you know, just going oh, yeah. going crazy and uh she better come back to the show next season or I'm going to be upset. Um, and, and I thought this speech from Rick in this scene was uh, really good. I think Andrew Lincoln does a great job with these sort of big, powerful monologues that he does occasionally on this show. Usually they're really good. And I got to say, I really enjoyed this one as well. Yeah. And now Rick has bested Negan in one-on-one combat in front of the saviors. That's right. He so is he, now he's the man. now in control. So that's what we needed from Simon uh, in the last episode was to get that precedent set. So we now know that the saviors are going to follow Rick as a leader. I guess so. That's basically what happened here. They all watched him. They all watched Rick take down their leader, Negan. So Rick's the new man. Yeah. Uh, so the battle is over and we get a little bit of cleanup stuff here. Rosita questions Eugene about the guns and he admits to sabotaging them and he kind of includes Father Gabe in the plan as well. So I think it helps yeah. if we needed forgiveness for Father Gabe, it helps that angle of things. And then she punches him in the face and says that was for the puke. That seemed kind of excessive to me. I mean, you know, if, because of anger and frustration of him betraying them, fine. But just punching someone because they puked on you seems a little excessive. I've been puked on. I know. But I I didn't punch her in the face. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't think it was that excessive. I think after all this, one good swift punch to the face for Eugene is probably not enough. But he got it and he said well, fair play. But she said it was for the puke. If she said it was for everything or didn't say anything, I would have accepted that it was for everything. It was the betrayal. It was the making the bullets. It was for the uh, pain and anguish of uh, him betraying them and going and following a guy that killed, uh, what's his name? Glenn Abraham. Uh, uh, Abraham, that's it. That killed Abraham. That, you know... That's a guy that she used to have sex with and he used to watch have sex. That's what I'm saying. You're forgetting about the sex watching. I mean, maybe the punch deserved, maybe the sex watching deserved a punch. I can only go by what she said. Right. She said that it was for the puke and that for me seems excessive. All right. Everything else, fine, but she didn't say that. No, maybe a little excessive, but I don't think it's too much trouble. All I ask is for people to say what they mean. (laughs) It's very simple, really. Yeah. All right. Well, Morgan starts taking off his body armor and he gives it to Carol and he says it's for Henry, but he also says that he'll be okay. So he seems to be turning a corner here. And then we get a shot of Red Eye Rick, the same shot from, you know, way back at the beginning of the season. And uh, he says, my mercy prevails over my wrath. And he sits at the tree crying. So this is that scene that we've been wondering about for a while. Lovely rolling hills too. Very nice. You know, if I was in the zombie apocalypse and I came across this uh, tree with stained glass, uh, which miraculously got fixed, by the way. Oh. Uh, No broken stained glass in this shot. Anyway, um, 
if I came across this lovely spot with the stained glass, I'd build a house right there. It's wide open, lots of room to see zombies coming. I'd I'd build myself a, a homestead and uh, at least a cabin that I could come and hang out in in the in the nice summer days. You know, I have to agree. It was a pretty nice location, good tree, and someone hung their stained glass there for you already. So yeah, magic stained glass that self heals. <laughs> Amazing stuff. So we basically fade to black and go to a commercial break. And I must admit, I would have been fine if the episode had just ended right here. Because I thought it was a, a great ending, kind of a suitable ending, and it would have felt like a, a capper on the, on the season. But we have another 15 minutes to go. You know what I was hoping for at this point? What? I was hoping for uh, a, some text on the screen that said two years later. And I was just, I was chanting at the screen, two years later, two years later, I wanted a big time jump to just put this whole thing to bed and let's see what happens two years from now. Yeah. Wipe it all clean. Wipe it all clean. Negan, you know, and they could set everything else up in that two year later time frame. I That's what I wanted at this point. So instead of wrap things up now, just jump ahead and kind of retro wrap things up by showing yeah. you where things are. Show us what happened. You know what? That's a that's a really solid idea. I like that idea, but I was thinking I would have been happy with just this as the ending for now. Um because, you know, I we all know that the season is coming back or the series is coming back for season 9, but if we didn't know that, I feel like this moment actually would have been a fairly satisfying end to the whole show. <laughs> yeah. A fairly satisfying. I'm sure there would have been some strings loose and stuff like that, but um but we didn't get any of those options. We ended up uh, another 15 minutes of, of episodes. So yeah. after the break, uh, we have really quick, we're at the hilltop. We see Dwight get in a car with Daryl and good looking Al tells Maggie that his guys are going back to the sanctuary. He says he's been reading Georgie's book, the one that Georgie left a few episodes ago. And he says that he can help build all those things and make this a better place for everyone to live. Oh my God, is he Maggie's love interest now? Well, I don't know. She seems much more okay with him now. She says, okay. And, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if they'll get to that, but it does seem like it might happen. Yeah. They have, they were wearing, they're wearing the same color clothes. And And you know what my wife says about that? That means they're a couple? (laughs) That means that they're going, they're simpatico and they're going, they're, you know, on a, on the same level. Right. Uh, So and they got the same color hair almost. I think that uh, this is a love story in in at the beginning. Love story in the making. Well, love yeah. could be. All right. We'll have the to... baby's going to need a father. Oh, that's true. We're going to have to Glenn's wait. Glenn's dead. I don't know if you know that, but Glenn is dead. Oh, I'm aware. We're going to find out next season, I guess. It's been like a week and a half. <laughs> yeah, well. She it's moves, time for her to move on. She moves on mm. real quick. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long time. The whole week and a half, two weeks. Well, after this scene, uh, we see Tara and Rosita arriving at the sanctuary. They're organizing nope. supplies, tending crops. Uh, there's a big stack of eggs just sitting out in the open. I'm just saying. I'm not going to get into it again, but it's just they're just sitting there, not refrigerated. All right. Well, they're they're just getting ready to be taken inside and put in the refrigerator, I assume. Well, they might not need it. You know, farm fresh eggs. Oh, yeah. We've talked about this before, that they don't necessarily need refrigeration. Good point. I don't want to talk right? about it again, but you're right. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a lot of eggs in this shot. All right. I didn't even notice them for some reason. I noticed Negan's wives crossing or coming along, and they're finally not dressed in those stupid black dresses. Uh-huh. I have nothing against a black dress, but, you know, 
mix it up once in a while is, is yeah, it's, good for most you know, it's people. Where when it's appropriate. Well, exactly, exactly. Or when you're forced to One, by sex slavery. Right. But now neither being facetious. Don't don't do that. Yeah, I know, of course. But they don't have to at all now. Uh we see Daryl, he takes Dwight, drives him into the forest. They get out and Dwight explains himself and he says that he understands basically that Daryl has to kill him. He says he's ready, but Daryl instead gives him the keys to the car and lets him go. And he says uh, Dwight should go find Sherry, but never to come back again. And if he does, he'll kill him. So I don't know what's going to happen with Dwight because I feel like he was going to be a part of the show still, but... Daryl says, if you come back, I'm going to kill you. So what's he going to do? Only if he sees his face. I mean, Daryl might go blind. (laughs) He might go blind. everything's fine. Maybe Dwight's going to iron the other half of his face so it matches up and then it won't really be the same guy. Uh, Maybe, but uh, I don't know. He has to to do something to both sides of the face because Daryl recognizes the burnt half, right? Sure. Or, or, you know, maybe Daryl will live at Hilltop and Dwight can come back and live at Sanctuary and they just won't cross paths. Yeah, that, that'll happen. Or they'll rebuild Alexandria, and then wherever one of them is, the other one can go somewhere else. At first, I thought uh, I, I thought Daryl was giving him the keys to the bike. Oh, God, no. He gave him the keys to the truck that they drove. <laughs> no, I realize that now, but at first, I'm like, whoa, you're giving him his bike? Yeah, that's, that's like... Uh, that's like Jules giving uh, Tim Roth his wallet at the end of Pulp Fiction. Sorry, am I spoiling Pulp Fiction? That was 1994, folks. Can we move on from that? Yeah. Is I, that okay? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, okay, look, I recognize that you're robbing me and that uh, uh, in order to get beyond this, I'm going to give you the wallet. Mm-hmm. Like, here, just take it. So I thought that maybe Daryl was doing that. I hate you. I want to kill you. In order for me to get past this, I'm going to give you my bike. I see. But that didn't happen, but no. I thought maybe that was happening, and I was a little excited about it. Okay. Well, no, he was just giving him a truck and saying, leave, never want to see you again, um, basically giving him a second chance on his own. Yeah. We go to Jadis in the junkyard. First, we've seen her, and Morgan shows up, and he suggests that she go back to the hilltop and help them build a new community. He says that Rick wants her to, and Morgan says that everything is about people, so she shouldn't be alone, yet... <laughs> he is going to stay here alone. <laughs> yeah, do what I say, not what I do. Exactly. And yeah. they also I, <laughs> introduce each other, and she says that her real name is Anne. That's nice. So now we know Jadis's real name is Anne. I think that's nice, so too. She's full of shit from just completely. Like, her whole personality was just completely full of shit. Name, the way she talked, mm-hmm. the way she dressed, the way she wore her hair, yep. uh, where she lived, what she did, absolutely everything was a complete load of crap. Uh, I, you know, it was a fabrication and she was playing a part to lead her people and try to start something new in this otherwise apocalyptic world, right? Yeah, sort of like Ezekiel, I guess. Sort of, <laughs> just way weirder. <laughs> Although, way, you know what? I'm not way, so sure about that. I, I'm not sure it's way weirder. <laughs> no. Just in a different way. It, but I, I yeah. think it's funny that uh, Morgan shows up and says, uh, look, we want to invite you to come and stay at the hilltop, become part of the community. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to live in your house now. Is that all right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not even is that all right. It's I live here now. You're invited to go there. So get out. <laughs> this is my house. It is. What the hell are you still doing here? It is kind of odd, but I guess they figured that Jadis or Anne would be would be kind of looking for something new. So she might be open to the idea of joining the community. And then if nobody's going to live at the junkyard, Morgan might as well become the keeper of the junk and move in. Yeah. So, okay. Imagine if you will, 
Uh, you have neighbors, right? You have people that live around you. I do. You get to know them over time. Imagine your neighbor comes over, knocks on the door, and says, uh, "You know, we want to invite you over for dinner. Do you have? Uh, you, we're having a barbecue. Uh, why don't you come over and, uh, you know, partake in some sausages and some burgers?" And you're like, "Yeah, that's a really good idea. Sounds delicious." And you get ready to go, and he says, "I'm just going to stay here." <laughs> <laughs> I'll just keep an eye on things for you. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, uh, you go ahead. I'm just going to hang out here for a while. I'll see you, see you later. Uh, that'd be. It's a little weird. It's extremely weird. Yeah. But, you know, when you live in a junk heap, I think it's a little bit less weird. Hey, one man's junk is another man's castle. Clear, clearly. How does that go? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but she, she agrees to go and then Morgan stays there all alone. Yeah. So we go over to Dwight. And he's on the road. He comes to that house where he was going to meet Sherry. He left some beers and some food for her, if we, if you recall. And he goes inside and he finds that the beers have been drank and the chips eaten, if they were chips, I guess. And a note from Sherry that just says honeymoon on it with an infinity symbol. Mm-hmm. I guess she's telling him, uh, screw you. I'm going on a honeymoon with my new husband, you stupid bastard. Uh, go to hell. <laughs> and I drank, all your, I drank all your beer and ate all your snacks. Yeah. So uh, I don't know why he's laughing, but this is really heartbreaking. Well, if you take it that way, um, I didn't, didn't know how to take it, but I was just happy to hear that at least when she left that there, she was still alive. So maybe yeah. they so, can reconnect. Well, she wants him to meet him where they had their honeymoon, right? I guess so, yeah. Infinity's a hint? <laughs> uh, well, maybe it's just a personal thing. I love you forever kind of thing. Oh. You know, which is nice for, it would be nice for me. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I had my honeymoon in New York City. Where did you have your honeymoon? We went to the mountains in Quebec. Okay, well, that's really nice too. Mm-hmm. And that's doable, right? It is, yeah. If if they went to uh, Italy, if they went to the south of France for their honeymoon, they're fucked. It's pretty tough to get over there these days, yeah. 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 So uh, hopefully they uh, they honeymooned in uh, uh, Washington D.C. the <laughs> Smithsonian. Well, because he could probably be there later that day. Exactly. That'd be really nice. But uh, yeah, hopefully it's not, you know, Cancun or uh, Hawaii. Oh man, Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, God, that's a long way from Hawaii. That is a long way. All right. That's well. a hell of a rowboat trip. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know if any. I don't know if you could. I don't know if Dwight could do that. That'd be pretty tough. Dwight could do it. Maybe Dwight. He would channel Simon and then they'd get it done. Sure. (laughs) Anyways, we go back and we get a quick shot of Ezekiel, Jerry, Carol, and Henry riding up to the kingdom. So they're already moving back there to see if they can reacquaint themselves with that place. And now we go back to Maggie at Hilltop. She's in her office and she's sitting there talking to Jesus. And she says that he was right about saving the saviors from the satellite station and not killing them all. But she says Rick was, or she says Rick was right too for not killing them all, except for Negan. She says that Rick and Michonne are wrong about that, and she wants to bide their time and then show Rick that he is wrong. And it turns out Daryl is in the room as well, and he kind of agrees. He walks out of the shadows and says, yeah, let's do it, or something. So what do you think that means? Show him that they're wrong. That he's wrong. I think it means that Maggie still wants to kill Negan and is going to try to do that at some point. I don't think so. No? 
I, I don't. I think that uh, it, we're meant to believe that that's the case. That she just wants him dead, but I don't think so. Because if she just kills him, Rick is going to know it's her or her and Jesus and, and Daryl that killed him because they have the absolute motivation to do that. Mm-hmm. Or she does. Uh, God knows what Jesus's motivation is for this. Uh, he's not really a murder kind of guy. Uh, neither is Daryl. By the by the way, if he didn't kill Dwight. Uh, so I don't know what the hell their motivations are, but uh, Maggie, I understand. Yeah, yeah. So, but when she says, show them that they're wrong, that to me means that she's going to do some clandestine shit where she's going to pretend to attack them and make it look like the saviors so that uh, it looks like Negan's still in charge of them and Rick will kill Negan for that. Okay, yeah, I can see that. She's going to set something up, some sort of elaborate plan to prove that it was the wrong choice rather than just killing him and doing it herself. Right. The way she phrased it seemed a little cagey to me. Yeah, because you're right. If she just goes and kills him, that doesn't really teach him a lesson. That just, I mean, that doesn't really teach Rick a lesson. It just makes him angry that, you know, she killed his prisoner. But that doesn't make any sense either because all she wants is to kill Negan. Right. So go kill Negan. Well, yeah, but... She, yeah. I mean, why, what would her motivation be if if she just finished saying it was the right decision not to kill all those people? What's yeah. her motivation for trying to convince Rick that he made the wrong choice? Because every choice he's made, she agrees with, except for that one, leaving that one guy alive. So right. she doesn't need to change his mind. She kind of agrees with him already. She just wants the one guy dead. So you're right. Why not just kill him and then deal with the consequences? Yeah. But I, she didn't say that though, and I think no. that uh, it's being she's being cagey. She's saying something else. Mm-hmm. Maybe she, yeah, she wants Rick to kill Negan, and she's going to go about doing that somehow. Right? Okay. Well, yeah, I can see where I can see where you're coming from. I just thought this whole scene was really quite ominous, to be honest. The way they shot it in such a dark room with this ominous music, and the whole thing was very serious. I was like, oh geez, this this isn't going to go well for anybody. All right, so let me ask you this. I got two more questions. Okay. Uh, one is, why is she telling this to Jesus? Why the hell would Jesus be on her side? Uh, yeah, that's a question that many listeners have asked <laughs> because he doesn't seem like the right person to be sitting there agreeing to this idea. Right. And if Daryl wanted to kill Negan, mm-hmm. which I believe he does, do you think that Daryl would just kill Negan? at that time and place with his crossbow. It does feel like the kind of thing he would do and maybe the kind of thing we've seen him do before to other characters. Exactly. Yeah. Daryl would have just killed him. Would have just like had, would have had a, uh, a bolt locked and cocked and, uh, or cocked and locked. I don't know if it's locked. Anyway, does that have a safety? I don't know if crossbow has a safety. Anyway, uh, he would have shot him in the head mm-hmm. and ended the whole thing and be like, oh crap, dude, I'm sorry. I didn't know you wanted him to survive this without a bolt in his head. Right. Better to uh, beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. <laughs> exactly. So I don't understand anybody, why anybody's in this room except for Maggie. Yeah. I mean, it. They, she needs someone to explain her feelings to, which is the thing. And I, I think I could have been okay with it if Daryl was just there, but it doesn't make a lot of sense for Jesus. I don't get it. Unless he's playing along and doesn't really agree and now she's made a mistake of telling him, so the information is kind of out, right? Right. So you think this could this should be just be a rubber duck conspiracy? She needed somebody to just explain her plan to, 
to see if it made any sense? I, I kind of feel like that might be what's going on here. Um, I mean, Have we explained rubber duck debugging to anybody before? I, I, it's, I don't know. Just say things out loud and it helps you solve a problem. Yeah, when you're debugging code, you just talk, you know, take a rubber duck on your desk and tell, explain the code to them, and uh, it helps you clear uh, your ideas. Yeah, process it and, and get everything straight in your mind, yeah. So just she needed somebody to just bounce the idea off of. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason that these three should be in a conspiracy like this whatsoever. Maggie, I understand. The other two, no way. Well, Maybe Gregory. She could probably explain this shit to Gregory and he'd understand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are very few characters that make sense here. I think Daryl is one of them that you could argue makes a little bit of sense. Not Jesus, though. Gregory, you're right. And anybody else? Like, uh, good-looking Al? That, that, yeah, good-looking Al. Maybe him. You know, it's a good way to get their relationship going. Plan a conspiracy. I mean, that's how I got my wife is, uh, you know, we were conspiring to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to do never mind do something right <laughs> uh anyways yeah i didn't say that no of course not the whole thing is a little odd this this whole scene but i feel like they included it here to set something up for next season but i have no idea will people even remember that this was like going on in six months from now or whenever the show comes back i don't know i don't know it seemed weak to me it did a little bit this is probably the weakest part of this whole episode in my opinion yeah, I agree, because it, it's hard to process and make any sense out of. But speaking of weak, we go to Negan. He is weak and recovering in a bed. His neck is bandaged up. Rick and Michonne are there, and they basically tell him what's going to happen now. They say that he is going to rot in a cell and watch while they build a thriving community. And they say he'll be a reminder of the wrong way to do things, and keeping him alive will show people that things have changed. Yeah, they, so they should lock him up in a tower. Well, whatever. They just don't want to kill him, and, uh, you know, they want to prove to everyone that they don't have to kill everybody anymore by keeping him alive. Yeah, so this, yeah, they should lock him up in a tower. That way it does like accomplishes three things. One, it makes him not part of the community because he's too far away to hold a conversation, and you don't want this asshole to talk. No. Because that's... That's like the worst idea. It's like, uh, actually, the worst idea is giving him a, you know, a uh, barbed wire wrapped bat. Here, <laughs> here's your bat back. Uh, so if you don't want him to talk, you don't want him to have a bat. So stick him in a tower. Uh, he can see everything that's going on and maybe lament over his life choices. Uh, and uh, it also gives everybody a symbol to look up to of uh, surviving or let pe- letting people live rather than killing them. Sure. Well, those are all the things they want to do, except for the tower. Well, I know. That's why I'm suggesting the tower. All right. (laughs) I think a tower is a perfect idea. You know, we even, you know, uh, build a little platform on the top of a post, right? (laughs) And just let let them put a tent up or something. You stand up there. Yeah. You live there now, buddy. We'll throw you bananas every now and again, because fruit flies like bananas. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it does. (laughs) Uh All right, we go over to Father Gabe, and he's back in Alexandria in the burned-out ruins of the church. He kneels down and prays to God, basically thanking him for, thanking God for giving him everything. And one more time, we flash back to Rick walking with little Carl again. And this time, uh, Rick is voiceovering a letter that he's written back to Carl, and he says that Carl made him remember who he was, and that Carl brought them all to this new world, and he can see it now. And we cut the black. 
season over. This makes me want to cry even just seeing. I've seen this like three fucking times, and now we're talking about it. <laughs> man, It's oh hard man. to watch. It is. It's hard to watch in a good way, right? Yeah, it makes me nostalgic for the future. It makes me want to go wake my son up and give him a hug. Well, resist the urge. You can hug him in the morning. Yeah, well, I, you know, yeah. Or when he wakes up later tonight in the middle of the night. <laughs> Either one. I don't care. Yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind getting up in the middle of the night with him. No. It's nice. Okay. He's all snuggly and stuff, and he kind of, anyway. And there you go. As long as you can function all day on less sleep, you're doing fine. <laughs> doing that for a year and a half, so yeah, yeah. is tomorrow any different? Right? Most parents learn to do that quick. All right, Jason, we have, I have some more thoughts uh, on this episode and a few things to do, uh, such as play my secret audio prediction from a couple of weeks ago. We will do that, but I do want to take a quick break first, so stay tuned for everything that's still to come. All right, Jason, I want to take a quick moment here to thank some new people that have gone over to patreon.com slash the talking dead and have decided to support us there. Awesome. Uh, first of all, friend of the show, Adam in Texas, a big thank you for his extremely generous new pledge on Patreon. Thank you, Adam, so much for that. Uh, Will G for his new pledge at uh, $5 per month. And also Susan P. at the $5 level. And at that level, one of the perks you can get is a personal shout-out on the show. And Will passed, but that's fine. He, he decided not to go for it. Uh, but Susan, she wants us to send a quick shout-out to her son, Mitch. She says, with whom I argue plot theories. Hey, Mitch. <laughs> Mitch, thank you for listening. And uh, thank you to Susan for listening as well. Um... Susan says that Mitch, uh, oh, no, she says she was on my side, as in me, for the Eugene Bullet Theory, but Mitch wasn't convinced. Well, uh, sorry, Mitch, we all know who was right now. Well, do we? Do we really? We do. Yeah, we really, we really do. <laughs> we do. So thank you, Susan and her son, Mitch, for that pledge. Also, big thank you to Stephanie H. and Stephanie L. <laughs> no relation. No. Also, Angela S. and Vera C. for becoming new patrons at our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. So thanks so much to all of you for pledging. If you would like to find out more, visit that link, patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, and you can uh, choose a subscription level, which might get you a shout-out on the show, or stickers, or something very cool like that. So... Thank you so much for everyone for checking that out. It is a great way to help support the show, and we appreciate everyone's support. Yeah.
Okay, Jason, we are back, and uh, I do have a few more things to talk about regarding this episode before we get into everybody's holy crap moments, and uh, a couple of things to do here. The first thing I want to do is play a call. This comes from John in Brooklyn. So I just came back from the Survival Sunday at the AMC Theater in Times Square, New York City. It was the season finale of The Walking Dead and the season premiere for Fear the Walking Dead. And the best part was, right before the movie started, Strand walked out, Eugene walked out, Father Gabriel walked out, and Madison walked out. I mean, everybody was cheering and just like screaming out at them. And it was just so much fun. And they all said a few words. Then when the program started, it was such a great experience. It looked amazing on the big screen. This was my first time ever watching The Walking Dead with a community of a few hundred people and people were laughing at the jokes and every time a new character would show up on the screen, people would cheer or they would gasp when things happened. And it was just the the finale, you know, like when the guns exploded from the saviors, I mean, people just went crazy. It was such a fun time. And um, I really hope that they choose to do another one of these a little later down the road. And I would say to anyone, if you get the chance to see one of these and they're doing it in the future, definitely go to it. Tickets are only $10, which is less than half the price of a typical movie. So really great experience and I really commend AMC for putting that together. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, John. So I don't know if you were aware, Jason, but they decided to show the season finale and the season premiere of Fear in movie theaters this time. Yeah, I mentioned it. uh, Was it on the air? When I mentioned it, when I was in Lexington, I saw a poster and there was a kid going, who's that, who's that, who's that? And I wanted to tell him. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I forget if that was on the air, but you're right. It probably was. So um, John was nice enough to just record some thoughts on it because he went to it. And it sounds like it was a fun, uh, it was a fun time. Yeah, Times Square, that would have been the best one to go to. It would obviously, have. but uh, that would have been a lot of fun. You know, I heard that the one, one of the big theaters in Los Angeles did it too. And a whole bunch of the cast members came to that one as well. So I think that would have been an awesome, but Times Square, pretty good choice. Shit, that's a fast flight. They uh, were both <laughs> different, different cast members. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean there. Okay. Yes. Uh, so, you know, if they ever do this again and they expand it international or at least Canada, I might make the time to go. Um, or, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll just conveniently be in a place where they're showing it in the States at that time. But uh, thank you, John, for sending that in. All right, Jason, here is where we're going to do something fun. So a couple of weeks ago, I decided that I had figured out the end of season eight. So I decided to record a prediction. I sent it to you in a password protected zip file. So, you know, we couldn't open it until you or you couldn't open it until we were here right now, where I'm going to tell you the password so you can uncompress it and then play the file. So, uh, yeah, I tried to guess the password a couple of times, uh-huh. and I tried some of your typical passwords that you've used in the past. I tried your birthday. I tried your wife's birthday. I tried your birthday backwards, your wife's birthday backwards. I couldn't remember uh, your daughter's birthday. One of them I couldn't remember. The other one I could remember. I tried that. Uh, I tried your old cat's name, cat's name backwards. I tried a bunch of stuff. I didn't. Uh, I couldn't get into the file, so I failed to, uh, to crack in. Well, that's a good thing, uh, but I don't blame you for trying. Uh, so I'm about to tell you the password. You're going to open it. We're going to play it. And then I, you know, I'm going to listen to what I said 
and then react to it because I kind of know where I was going with it, but I don't know how coherent I was when I, when I recorded this and, uh, you know, we'll just have to see, and hopefully I don't have to explain myself too much. So, right. Are you prepared for the password? I'm ready. And, and sorry, when we get the, the file open here, I'm going to listen to it as well and then react because I don't have any idea what you're going to say. That's right. Well, actually I, I kind of do, but <laughs> I don't know what this, this, uh, this, this file says. Anyway, tell me the, uh, the password. This will be a lot easier than, uh, trying to figure it out. All right. The password is a line that Negan delivered a couple episodes ago. What That's the- really long. Hold on a second. No, a- no. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. The password is what the shit. All lowercase All one, with okay. spaces. What space the space shit. Son of a bitch, it worked. Okay. All right, you ready? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give this a double click and we'll uh, listen to what it says. You ready? Super excited. All right, here we go. Hi everybody, Chris here. It's ten forty PM on Friday, April the sixth, and Jason and I have just finished recording our weirdly late episode for Still Gotta Mean Something. And if you've listened, if you listen to that, you know that I wanted to make a prediction about the final scene or basically the end of season eight uh, and what's going to happen based on what I know from the comic and in a way how that will redeem Rick's character after he killed those guys or killed the saviors in the bar. So obviously this includes spoilers for the comic and not really spoilers for the show, unless I am completely wrong, and this is still yet to come. So um, I don't think this will be a spoiler for the show, but certainly does talk about something I know from the comic books. So if you're really concerned about that, um, maybe stop listening now and skip ahead. However, here we go. So in the comic, at the end of All Out War, uh, anyone who's read it knows that the saviors basically lose the war with Rick and the gang and Rick has an opportunity to kill Negan, but instead of killing him, he decides to basically keep him alive and put him in jail. Um, and this, in my opinion, is what is the way that season eight is going to end. Rick in the show is going to capture Negan. The saviors will be no more. And Rick is going to decide to not kill Negan, but keep him alive and keep him basically as a prisoner and uh, punish him that way. And I think this will be seen on the show as a way for Rick to have mercy on someone and redeem himself after, uh, after murdering the saviors in the bar in this week's episode. Um, whether it does that or not, I don't know, but I think that's what the show is going to be going for. They've set Rick up as this, as having committed this totally evil, unnecessary act. And his character will be redeemed by sparing Negan's life, who is the one guy that you think that he would be justified in killing. So that is my prediction. And uh, I'm now going to zip this file up, password protect it, send it over to Jason. And then when we record our episode for this season finale, I'll have him... I'll give him the password live on the air. He can open it and play the file. So uh, it's going to be great. Hopefully it works out. If I'm right, that'll be cool. If I'm wrong, also cool, because it means I have no idea what's coming, and that's exciting. All right, talk to you in a couple of weeks.
All right. So I don't think I was quite as articulate as I could have been. However, my idea was that Negan would be left alive by Rick. And the whole point of that in terms of the TV show would be to redeem Rick uh, and bring him back from being this evil monster that, you know, unnecessarily murdered basically, I mean, I don't want to say innocent, but unnecessarily murdered people in that bar. So it did play out that way in terms of leaving Negan alive, but I don't think the show was totally overt about this redeeming Rick's character um, and bringing him back to, you know, the light side. Um, They were more about, you know, using Negan as as a centerpiece to prove that they are moving into something better. So, uh, but I do think, you know, a little bit of my idea is there, uh, whether you see it or not. What do you think? I think, well, obviously they did, uh, you know, let Negan live and are locking him in a cell. So that, that part is correct. You're absolutely right. Uh, as far as the redemption goes, I think they, they, they played that out rather well. I thought, uh, you know, Rick being in the tree and uh, under the tree, um, and saying that, uh, what was the line? My, uh, my mercy prevails my, over my wrath. Yes. So my mercy prevails over my wrath is, uh, you know, a manifestation of that redemption. It's, uh, he let Negan live and, uh, did they kill anybody? Well, I guess they did kill some people, but, uh, uh, I think that that redemption is there. Yeah. I think that line kind of dictates that that redemption is there. I, I don't think it was the only point of letting Negan live in the TV show. I don't think it was really even the central idea there, but I do think it was there. And and um, so I think I was at least half right. <laughs> uh, I think you were at least 78%. Okay. 70, sorry, 78% right. Okay, I, I can I can take that. That's pretty good. So, I feel like I sort of figured out the uh, the end of this season. To be honest with you, I mean, just you know, figuring out that they were going to let Negan live wasn't really any uh, big stretch. I don't think, anyways, especially being a comic reader. But the way they used it and sort of what they were doing by having Rick kill those guys and sort of bringing him back right at the end and using that to uh, to redeem him. You know, I I feel like I got that right. And then I figured out the bullet thing. So, Jason, I might be getting better at this TV thing. You might be getting better at this TV thing. I'm uh overall, I think I'm really pissed off at uh uh at Eugene being redeemed in the eyes of uh, Rick and the gang. Yeah. I'm really kind of annoyed. I wanted him to I wanted him to be Negan even if he was Negan all the way and was part of the I give up and having to make his way as a savior in the new world with Rick as the leader. Yeah. Even that would have been okay. But this, uh, I realized we needed this in order to have, uh, uh, you know, Rick and the gang winning the war. Uh, you know, spoiler for the comic question. Uh, is that how it worked out in the comic? Was that uh, a bunch of guns exploded and therefore, uh, they couldn't, uh, you know, overpower Rick and the gang? No, no. If if I'm not mistaken, there is a part in the comic where uh, Eugene is captured and Negan asks him to make bullets, but he refuses, I think. Right. So Eugene never becomes the the sort of traitor 
that we see in the show in the comic. Right. Not in the same way. So no, it doesn't really happen in the comic book. Um, but the, the keeping him alive, keeping Negan alive at the end definitely does. Okay. So they could have done it another way. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm annoyed cause I wanted, uh, I wanted Eugene to be, uh, all Negan all the time forever. Yeah. And I kind of did too. I don't feel too bad about the way it has resolved though, to be honest with you. Did it take away from the episode at all for you? This finale? It, it didn't. No. And that, that kind of annoys me too, because I was so adamant about this. And then, uh, overall it didn't bother me that much when I feel like it should have. So the fact that it didn't bother me bothers me. <laughs> all right. Well, that's not really their fault. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Sure. It's, it's definitely my own issue, but I, I wanted, I, yeah, I wanted him to be all Negan all the time, but he wasn't. And I guess that's okay. Right. Well, overall, I got to say, I think this was a great season finale. I thought it was a good episode and it had like, it just had a little bit of everything, drama, action, excitement, heartbreak, you know, um, Lauren Cohan was amazing. I thought it all played out pretty logically in a way. And I know there's been, this show has been criticized heavily lately for logic and realism and stuff like that here. I just, either none of it mattered to me or it just wasn't as bad as it has been. So I, it just, the whole thing was really fantastic. Getting back to Lauren Cohan, I must admit, I really hope they aren't setting up a big conflict between her and Rick for next season because I just don't feel like that's going to be interesting really, to be honest. And I just want to see her move on to something else, you know, get everybody move on. Like you said, two years later and just see where they're at. Right. Negan is still alive in a cell. He's probably got a huge beard and he's, I don't know, lost a lot of weight if that's even possible, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, something like that. I just, I just feel like a conflict between Maggie and Rick at this point is not going to be interesting, but regardless, she was fantastic in this episode. Um, I also think that Morgan's resolution was really solid and where it came from being Jesus was really solid. And, uh, I must admit, I have seen the first part of fear the walking dead season four, episode one, and it does kind of help me with the Morgan stuff a little bit. Uh, I don't think you've seen that yet, so we can't really talk about it yet. But, uh, even if I hadn't seen that, I just think, you know, it was great how Jesus finally gets through to him and he, he starts to come around. Um, and then the only other sort of thought I had is that, you know, it turns out that Rick's injury by that tree wasn't even that big a deal. You know, nope. after all the speculation, is he dying? Is it just a hard day after burying his son? You know, is it a gunshot wound? Is it a knife wound? Is he even injured? All that just kind of didn't matter in the end. It was just him sort of taking a breather after this big fist fight and uh, glass fight with Negan. Yep. And the magically uh, healing, self-healing glass too. Right. The magically self-healing glass. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I just thought this was, I thought it was a really good season finale and we'll have to see what everyone else thinks, but I got to say, I'm really happy with it. I'm happy with it too. I think it was really good. There's a couple of notable things like the Maggie conversation with her conspirators. Uh, but other than that, I thought it was a, a, a solid outing. I think it was a nice wrap up to the season. And I think, uh, was it Scott Gimple that said it was a kind of wrapping up the first eight seasons? 
Yeah, uh, we haven't talked about that, but he came out last week and said those exact words, I think, that, you know, the season finale kind of is a, is a finale for eight seasons, and that means that we're going to start fresh in season nine. Yeah, we have no enemies at the moment. That's right, except for Maggie. <laughs> God, well, I... well, God forbid that she actually becomes the bad guy for season nine. Let's not do that for sure. Yeah. I think it's a, it's so, it, it, it bugs me because we don't need an internal conflict like that. No, no. I don't feel like it's, it, I don't feel like it would be interesting at all anymore. Like, go with the idea for keeping Negan prisoner and just, just have everybody on board with that. You can, you know, someday maybe he escapes, I don't know. And, or he does something, uh, or, or somebody sympathizes with him or something like that. That I feel like might be more interesting or he's in a cell and we barely ever see the guy anymore, you know, because they're dealing with other things. So yeah, downgrade him to, uh, you know, also starring, uh, <laughs> instead of a series regular and have him show up every three or four episodes and, uh, not talk just, you know, have him in the cell or in the tower or something. I'm not so sure Jeffrey, they could <laughs> convince Jeffrey Dean Morgan to come around and do that every once in a while. I don't know. You give him the same money, but, uh, have him work less. <laughs> come on. Actually, that that's what, that's the, that's the dream. <laughs> it might be actually. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to see where that goes, but, uh, let's get into some listener. Holy crap moments, Jason. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. So that's why I thought that we'd get the two years later on the uh, on the screen because of what Scott Gimple had said that this was wrapping up the first eight seasons. Right. I thought that we'd get to a point where well, we were at the point where the uh, the conflict was resolved. I mean, we didn't get all the uh, get all the uh, the loose ends resolved, uh, but the conflict, the main conflict, was resolved. So two years later, that would have been the perfect end for the first uh, eight seasons because two years later could have shown the you know what has happened in two years the prosperous the the community the reading of the book from those uh, strange people with the uh with the awesome van uh you know they have a windmill they have like uh irrigation they have this thriving community everybody's happy there's little kids running around uh you know the uh uh, the dream that Carl had, the dream that Glenn had, we could show that in reality. Uh, two years later, that would have been like, oh my God, everything's peaceful now. What the hell is going to happen next? Right. It's, like they, it's not like they're just going to go with that and let it run as everybody's happy all the time. Because <laughs> what the hell kind of show is that? Certainly so not The Walking Dead. has got to happen. Yeah. Right? The army's got to show up. And, uh, you know, they're trying to put the uh, the U.S. government back together, and uh, they're dictating what all these communities are supposed to be, being the official U.S. government. You know, that's all kinds of conflict there. Sure. So uh, that's why I was hoping that uh, we'd get to two years later, but we didn't get to two years later. No. Maybe at the beginning of the next season we'll get two years later. I was just going to say, they can still do that. They can still jump ahead a couple of years. I don't know how they're going to work in this Maggie thing if if it is two years in the later, two years later. But she did say we will bide our time. So that could mean two years, could mean two months. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but we'll have to find out. Uh, but you're right. I mean, really the main, the only thing they didn't really wrap up is who the hell is Georgie and her people? And the helicopter, is the helicopter part of her group or is that something else altogether? So yeah. those things will carry over. 
Uh, but y- y- you're right. We could jump ahead two years and they've made friends with Georgie's community and they've already integrated with them. And, you know, we just pick up from where they are at that point. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, you know, I, it, it's so it's a wide open, it's wide open right now, really, for the most part. And I do kind of like that. It, yeah, me too. I think that, uh, all the conflict has wrapped up. We do have this huge herd right on the horizon though. Right. So yeah. uh, we've seen herds before, so I might just go by, they might build a barrier to like, guide them they might use explosives they might use uh uh rock and roll right <laughs> get some speakers on uh they need to use rock and roll to 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 move these zombies because who wouldn't follow acdc back in black if i was a zombie i'd follow that music 100 percent. follow i'd follow it anywhere i'd follow it off a cliff <laughs> i'd probably do that while i'm alive back in black here we go here we go well you're right they do have to deal with that i forgot about that as well but you're right. It it could be no big deal, <laughs> although it did look like an awful lot of zombies. Yeah, I mean it's it's concerning, but they're over there, right? They're they're not here. Exactly. We went we went over there and we saw them even further over there. So what are the odds they're going to come over here? They might be just going that way to even farther over there. You know. Yeah, I mean, sure, we've got Chekhov's herd of zombies to deal with. <laughs> you know. True. But uh, yeah, I mean it's. Probably not a huge deal, but we got, yeah, got some conflict that has to show up later. Uh, but that conflict's got to be bigger now, right? It can't just be the governor. It can't just be Terminus. It can't just be Negan even. It's got to be something huge. Like a giant and, herd of zombies? Maybe season nine will be all about deflecting that huge herd. That'd be boring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you know what happens in the conflict after uh, uh, All Out War ends, but I assume it's something bigger, like the U.S. government showing up again. Well, I guess don't answer. It's something. Something. It's something. Something right. happens. Yeah. Which, aliens. Which, dinosaurs. The aliens. And dinosaurs the, with lasers. Right. Run by aliens. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens exactly. That'll be and uh, a witch. <laughs> that'll be the first one. First episode of season nine. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Time to do some holy craps. Holy crap! Did you see that? All right, our first one here comes from Alex in Seattle. Alex writes, holy crap, Chris, you were right. Not sure if you got the bad bullet trick from the comics or if you figured it out on your own, but that was freaking awesome. Thank you. Good work, my friend. Thank you, thank you. John in Connecticut writes, holy crap, did you see that sad excuse for a season finale? Ooh. Oh. Ouch. You know, I like to include both sides of the argument here. Not that John really makes an argument, but he clearly didn't like the the uh, episode so it's not all unicorns and rainbows for everybody right now and i'm sorry that's yeah, more of a statement that's like uh, in the court of law you have opening statements yeah closing arguments right well, so it's an opening statement uh john was it john in connecticut yeah john show your work all right fair enough maybe john will for our thursday night feedback show Gemma in south wales wrote in my holy crap moment was ah little carl and young rick how did they do that cgi walking and holding hands through the episode. I really loved that, and it made Carl feel very present and relevant to the season finale. Well, it wasn't Chandler Riggs, right? No, she means Rick, because Rick looked oh, like Oh, younger he, Rick. Oh, I Rick see. Rick looked like he did eight years ago. So I think maybe they just shaved him and, and put on the right makeup and clothing, I think. Yeah, and shot him from a distance. And, and that's right. He wasn't that up close, so. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's, you know... Actors seem to have this weird 
genetic abnormality where eight years can go by and they don't change a whole lot. I mean, look at Paul Rudd. He looks the same as he did in 1987. Look at Keanu Reeves. He looks the same as he did in 1845. Yeah, he. That's. I was going to say that. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. He's he's some kind of weird. Uh, what's the guy with the painting? Uh, where the painting ages and he doesn't. Oh, I know. The, I know what you mean. Dorian I, Gray. Yeah, Dorian that's Gray. it. That's it. Uh, yeah, he's got some kind of weird Dorian Gray thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So I guess you know. You can't go back too far with Andy Lincoln, though. I mean, look at him in Love Actually. He looks different than he does now. <laughs> he does. He, oh, he my looks God. like a 12-year-old he in does. Love Actually. Well, so uh, Keanu Reeves, for example, he's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to look exactly the same, and then all of a sudden he's going to be 80, and you're like, whoa! <laughs> it's just going to come out of nowhere, and he's going to have, like, this big, long gray beard, and he's going to be playing Gandalf. It's going to be weird. That That is going you. to be very, very weird. <laughs> uh, all right, Ryan on the internet wrote, holy crap, I am really going to miss the war with Negan storyline. Said no person ever. (laughs) Said nobody. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm glad it's over too. Uh, Graham on the internet writes, holy crap, it's over. We can finally time jump or something where everyone on the show can get a fucking haircut. (laughs) That's a good idea. It is. I am pretty glad that they wrapped up Fallout War because if they didn't, I feel like it would have just been kicking a dead horse at that point. I'm glad they finished it, you know, and we can move on to something else as we've kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. Eric in Wyoming writes, holy crap, did you see that? When the grip was, when the group was walking on the hill, did you see all the wooden posts that looked like it was marking a border or boundary? Think that's a clue? Now, I cut off the last part of Eric's sentence there because... I did consider it rather spoilery, referred to something in the comics, and I'm just going to leave it at that. So if you can figure out what Eric is talking about, then good for you. But if not, not a spoiler. Looked like a fence to me. Yeah. I think it was probably just a fence. <laughs> yeah. Which okay. definitely Fences is. Fences are symbolic? Well, they definitely mark a border or a boundary of some kind. So. Yeah. Much think, like a wall even. I think nah, that's it. That's what it was doing. All right. Next one is a call from designer Will. Hey, Chris and Jason. Designer Will from Brooklyn, currently sitting in a very rainy parking lot in New Jersey. Holy crap. Did you see Negan get his throat slit and still live? That man is invincible. Yes, indeed. He got his throat slit and he didn't die. Son of a bitch. What do you mean? He pulled it off again. Rick didn't want to kill him. How many times has that been that Rick didn't want to kill him? Well, it comes down to right at the end here. It's been a lot, but yeah, Rick... It really seemed to want to kill him, but I guess he didn't. He even slit his throat and he still didn't want to kill him. Yeah. And he even said so much this time. Right? That's crazy. <laughs> uh, Adam in Texas writes, holy crap, Scott Gimple followed the comic books. Negan gets his throat slit and is brought low by Rick and the gang. I really hope they follow the comics and give us a nice time jump, but I hope they don't pick up the comic storyline and instead give us something new. So here's to hoping. Yeah, dinosaurs with lasers run by liches and aliens. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Noop J on the internet. Holy crap, that is going to leave a mark. In the comics, Rick slashes Negan's throat with a knife, but here, a busted shard of glass. No way that makes a nice clean mark. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, but are there any vital veins in the front of your Adam's apple? I think Hollywood has us trained to believe any cut or scratch to the neck is automatically deadly. Or near deadly. 
So maybe it's not, is what Noob J is saying. Well, it's still, you know, you got your Adam's apple there, and I, I assume that it serves some kind of purpose. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, if, it's not holding up your head or anything. But <laughs> no, I don't think it so. It helps with the swallowing. Sure. You know, is he going to need a feeding tube down his throat? Is he going to be need to be intubated for a while? I assume so. Doesn't seem like it. He would have been intubated already. But, I mean, if it's just the skin that's sliced, it's enough to bleed a fair bit, but not do any, like, serious long-term damage? Or just maybe yeah, they scraped the Adam's apple a little bit? I don't know. There's not a lot of skin there. I mean, I have more skin there than I used to, but... You know, there's not a lot to play with on uh, getting slit. So, you know, an inch of, uh, there's a big Adam's apple there. So if you cut like two inches of uh, of neck, that means you're going through that Adam's apple. Yeah, but the, that cut wasn't two inches deep. His head would be half off if that was the No, case. I mean from side to side, like the oh. length of the cut was two inches, but there's a pointy bit at the front of the neck. So if it was two inches wide, you're going to cut through the Adam's apple to make that two inch wide cut. Well, you're going to at least scrape across the Adam's apple. I, I just don't think it was that deep, maybe, and that's why he, he bled a lot, but isn't necessarily in mortal danger. But what we need is a, a listener who's a doctor or somebody to write in and say, how serious does a neck slash right on the front need to be that to make your life in like serious immediate danger? Or is it enough if you just cut the skin, bleed a fair bit, and then you can just sort of stitch it shut and you'll be fine? Right. We need an answer on that. So I'm putting it out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is a fictional universe, right? With everybody having soft heads and you poke them with a stick and they die. Apparently True. a slit throat by a jagged piece of glass. Like that's not a clean cut. Like you say, it's, it's, it's yeah. jagged and not easily put back together. Sure. That, that aside, I mean, that is a bit crazy. It would have, it should have been more like a rip than a cut or a tear, right. but. I just want to know how severe the injury has to be before you really are about to die. And I, I, I'm sure it's not that severe. <laughs> I mean, a neck cut is bad, you know, no matter what, but, um, yeah. you know. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, freshly dead people around. So maybe they, uh, they took a, uh, a donor throat and uh, did a, a throatectomy. <laughs> and they just reinserted it. it right there. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to cut out your throat here and we're going to put in the dead guy's throat. Mm. And sew it all together. Good as new. Good as new, yeah. <laughs> All right, Dilleth on the internet writes, Holy crap, did you see that? Negan was bleeding from his neck pretty badly. He was cut around the region where the thyroid gland is located. Since it's fair to assume the cut was deep, again, we don't know, uh, Negan's thyroid gland is probably damaged. Without enough thyroid hormone in his system, he would start to gain weight and have decreased intestinal mobility. What I'm trying to say is that if Negan isn't fat and constipated when we see him again in season nine, I'm going to be pissed off. <laughs> okay, fat they can show on screen. Constipated, they probably won't tell us. But. No, but they they could reference it. <laughs> well, okay, let's just say if he's fat, then we recognize that he's got thyroid damage uh -huh. and that he's probably constipated in conjunction with that. I'm saying that if they show him as fat, I'll accept constipated as just a logical next step without them having to tell me about it. Fair I'll enough. Be okay with it. Yeah, I agree with you. Very good. All right. Thank you, Dillith, for that. Next is a call from Lee. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Lee in St. Catharines. And holy crap, did you see the asbestos fingers on the armored pierogi? Negan just test fires that gun on the statue of Rick. And uh, Eugene just picks it up by the chamber, which would be blazing hot. 
after three or four shots. And it wasn't hot at all for his fingers, so maybe he's got some, uh, some other superpowers we don't know about. You guys do a good job. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, Lee. He touched a hot gun. Hot gun? Never touch a man's hot gun. No. But Burn I guess your fingers. Asbestos fingers. That helps. Yeah. My, uh, I'm just going literally. I'm not going to go with what you're trying to imply there. No, of course. Except for acknowledging it this way. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lee, for that. Uh, Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey writes, holy crap, Negan handed Lucille to Eugene. I think this proved just how much Negan trusted Eugene at that moment, which explains how Eugene got away with sabotaging the ammunition. Right. The only thing about- but then uh, uh, Negan gave it to Rick. I was going to say, the only thing about that is Negan handed Lucille to Rick before- that was more of a power move, sort of saying, look, I can hand you my weapon and you're not even going to strike me with it. Uh, in this case, I do feel like it was a little bit more of a blind trust move. It's like, you can hold Lucille while I shoot this gun because you're not going to do anything with it. Um, and, you know, I know that because I completely trust you at this point. Right. Uh, I'm, uh, I was also thinking when they were uh, talking to Negan in the cell, or in that room that I assume will become a cell because it looked like it was just a place to store blankets and stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, unless they were all for Negan. Anyway, here's a whole shelf full of blankets. Good luck. Well, I don't think he was uh, in the cell yet. I think he was in a room recovering from having his neck stitched up and they'll move him to a cell somewhere. Okay, so he was in the blanket storage room. That's fine. Uh, okay. I thought that they would do something with Lucille to symbolize uh, Negan's final destruction. Like, I'm going to show you something. We're going to break Lucille in half. We're going to burn it. We're going to take the barbed wire off, uh, do something instead of nothing. Cause Lucille's kicking around somewhere, right? Oh yeah. She was there. And, uh, I assume they didn't just leave the bat on the ground by the tree. Well, they should destroy the bat. That's the symbol of his power too. They need to destroy that bat. And I'm a little surprised they didn't, frankly. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, we don't really know where the bat is. I, we assume they have it, but you're right. They should have burned it or cut it in half or threw it in a wood chipper or something. Shot it a couple of times. <laughs> right. Slapped it around. Something. Slapped it around. <laughs> <laughs> what did they do with the, in the comic? Um, I don't. Spoiler for the comic. No, uh, fo- I mean, I don't remember exactly, although I do have some ideas, but I don't want to get into it because. I don't want to spoil the comic any more than we might have already. All right. Well, tell me off the air uh, what they did, because I want to know what happened to Lucille. All right. Next up is Steve on the internet. Steve writes, holy crap, all is forgiven? Well, I get Rick recognizes that a lot of the saviors were just held in place by the fear of Simon and Negan. There are still a handful of them who have done horrible things. Arat, Gary, I'm not sure if we've seen their fate yet. Well, Gary is dead because he was, he tried to join Simon's coup last week and he got shot out in the, uh, in the courtyard of the sanctuary there. And the Walking Dead wiki currently lists Arat's status as unknown. So we don't know if she died in the battle in this episode, but I do get Steve's point because Regina's still alive. Laura is still alive. These were people that were pretty loyal to Negan until the end. Uh, so, you know, the question is, should Rick trust these people to not cause shit? And I don't know if there's an easy answer to that, but for now, I think he is going to. Well, yeah. I mean, Rick defeated uh, Negan in hand-to-hand, one-on-one combat in front of his uh, crew. Yeah. So uh, Rick's in charge. I accept everybody's surrender as 
on face value. I don't think anybody's going to be uh, everybody who would uh, specifically in my mind uh, be a problem. Uh, Simon and um, Jared, Jared, uh, those people are all dead. Yeah. Right. And we know they're dead because we either saw them as zombies or uh, Morgan saw them. And we know when you, when Morgan sees somebody, they're dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. So I, I would tend to agree with that. There are a few loose ends character wise, but none of them feel like they're going to be a threat. And didn't we even see Laura sort of already working, working? We did. With she them? was, uh, she was tilling a plant box of some kind. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she's the one who surrendered. Like she was the one who said, no, we're done. Yeah. So that's she true. was, uh, uh, no, I believe her. I think, I, I, th- I don't think anybody left who did things that was, uh, that were bad, uh, rise to the series regular, uh, you know, level. So I don't think anybody's necessarily going to be a problem. No. We might have a straggler now and then like that baby that they stole. Uh, we don't know whose <laughs> baby that is. Maybe uh, that baby's going to grow up to be, uh, quite evil because it'll recognize, she'll recognize that, uh, I, you know, my parents were killed by you rat bastards and, uh, you stole me. I mean, sure, you fed me and kept me alive for these uh, last 18 years, but fuck you, I'm going to kill you all. Well, that's uh, going to come maybe some way, sometime way down the road. Yeah, she's going to be the biggest problem, I think. Okay, so we get some time to worry about that. Yes, yeah, she's going to be terrible when she's two. Totally, <laughs> as uh, many of them are. <laughs> Which, yeah, I have a question to ask you later. All right, not right now. How do, how do you get a two-year-old, 18-month-old to eat food? <laughs> anyway, you, I, I really need some advice. So we're going to talk about this later. All right. Fair enough. Uh, now, the next one here, a, a number of people wrote in. Victor in Rio Verde, Brazil, wrote this, as well as Chris in Las Vegas. And Chris wrote, holy crap, did you see Jesus agreeing with Maggie in that Rick and Michonne were wrong to not kill Negan right after he finally convinced Morgan he didn't have to kill anyone? So we've already really talked about this. It doesn't make any sense. That whole scene is a little bit confusing, um, but we'll just have to wait to find out how that plays out. But thanks everyone for pointing that out because it was something that a lot of people noticed or at least thought while they were watching it. Well, this show had this has had this problem in the past, right? Where it seems like uh, uh, the writers have written a line of dialogue to, that is necessary to propel the plot forward and then they randomly assign it. To someone. Yeah. Where did that happen before? I do recall. Well, with Morgan and Jesus, you know, Jesus oh, yeah. wanted to not kill people, but Morgan did. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. So, uh, yeah. So I, I think that uh, we've had this problem in the past. I think these two people that were there uh, are essentially there at random. Mm-hmm. They could have been anybody because these two people don't make sense. Nobody else makes any sense. So who cares who was there? Yeah, it's you're right. Sometimes they play a little fast and loose with the characters a bit, which is not good, but you're right. I remember we argued that Morgan and Jesus could have been interchanged in that scene and it would have made just as much sense, which is not, yeah. not great. But you're right. It almost didn't matter who Maggie was talking to in this scene. So they figured, let's throw Jesus and Daryl in. Yeah, at least Maggie makes sense. It does, yeah. Right? But- Maybe she could have been talking to Rosita. Rosita would have made sense. Maybe Rosita. Yeah, that's actually Tara good. Tara would have made sense. <laughs> well, we didn't even mention them before, but I don't know. How hard is it to find some characters that you could at least believe would feel that way? Yeah. I mean, who we didn't... Jesus hasn't lost a personal loved one. Well... Right? Uh, that we know of? Not really not that we the, know of, Not yeah. in the story. What about uh, Daryl? Uh, his brother, you Merle. They, not for by the, the hands of Negan. Oh, true, yeah. So we just, we need 
a couple of people that just make a little bit more sense. All right. Well, Enid. Enid would have been perfect. Frankly, I would have liked to have seen more Enid in this episode. She was carrying a baby for two seconds and then was gone. Yeah. I mean, we can move on from Enid's a spy, right? We, but we might be able to uh, believe her in the uh, a pro-Maggie conversation than Jesus. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, why not make it Enid in that room? She's a, she's sort of stepped up as one of Maggie's advisors in a way, like a junior advisor, right? Yeah. She seems to always be there hanging out with her. And, and uh, you know, I think that makes sense a little bit. King Ezekiel would have made sense. Well. You know, he lost everybody at the kingdom pretty so, much. <laughs> listen, suddenly everybody else makes sense except Jesus. So I don't know yeah, where. It's, it's seeming that way. He lost his tiger. That's right. You know? That's right. I don't know where this is going to end up, but. <laughs> anyway. All right. Two more here. Paul in England writes, holy crap, did you see all that wasted screen time on the Oceanside group this season? There was absolutely no need for them to show up and rescue the hilltop because the plot had already told us that the Savior's guns would explode when they fired them. And why didn't they give us this scene before we knew of Eugene's sabotage? At least that way, we might have thought they were in even the slightest need of being rescued. So I didn't really think of this at the time, but Paul makes an interesting point. The exploding guns was shown before the saviors arrived at the hilltop, that small yep. group. Now, Tara and everyone at the hilltop doesn't know their guns are going to explode, but from an audience perspective, you think, okay, well, there's no problem. Their guns are going to explode and they're going to all have their hands blown off. So they're really no threat. So, you know, and, and I do feel like they could have done these scenes in the opposite order. It doesn't matter when they show us that the hilltop was being attacked too. Um, and if we didn't know their guns were going to explode, maybe having Oceanside ride in and rescue them would have made a little bit more sense. Why have any of the saviors show up to the hilltop at all? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we <laughs> sort of know that the battle is taking place out somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, but maybe that, you know, you could argue easily that that's part of Negan's plan, separate them and kill the primaries in one place, leaving everyone else there sort of as easy targets and send a smaller team to, to get those. But um, you're right. I mean, they didn't really need to send anyone to Hilltop at all, but the fact that they did kind of felt like just a reason for Oceanside to show up and have one quick scene. Yeah, it all seemed tacked on. You, yeah, that's... It's completely unnecessary. It did a little bit. Multiple, on multiple levels. However, all that being said, I did get kind of pumped up when Aaron shows up leading the charge and they're throwing Molotovs and I was like, oh yeah, they're getting them. They're getting them good. You know, I couldn't help it. We're talking about the Molotovs. I was going to let it go, but I can't let it go anymore. Oh, we're so close. (laughs) (laughs) We're so close. I tried. I tried. Have you ever thrown a Molotov cocktail? Like put some gasoline in a bottle and put stuff a rag down there, uh, let it on fire and throw it? I have not done that, no. Me neither. Have you ever seen one thrown like in real life? Nope. On newsreels and stuff? Not like in person, but on newsreels? Uh, yeah, probably on the news, yeah. Okay, you throw the bottle, mm-hmm. okay? It's got, the, it's got the flame on it. It lands and it catches on fire, but it splays out like a when you splash somebody with a water balloon. Right, you throw the water balloon. It doesn't blow straight up in the air. Uh, you know, water geyser shooting eight eight feet up in the air. Uh, it splays out. Mm-hmm. Now imagine that splaying out, but on fire. Yeah, that's what a Molotov cocktail looks like. It throws out. It's just like this sheet of fire that happens. 
every explosion that we saw from those Molotov cocktails were geysers of flame shooting 8, 10, 12 feet straight up in the air like they were fucking rockets coming straight down. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, they just Molotov cocktails don't work that way. Sure. Is there something you could put into the bottle that would cause an explosion like that? Yeah, C4, but you wouldn't be able to start that with a flame. No, you need some kind of high explosive. Right. And in that case, it's probably not being stuffed into a glass bottle with a rag on fire. You need, okay, Molotov cocktail is not an explosive. Sure. It's a way of setting fire to something. Yes, exactly. These were explosions. Well, I'm just saying, maybe they have very advanced handheld homemade explosive devices. (laughs) Why not? Right. But they were throwing Molotov cocktails. Yeah, they were. Fair I don't know what that was landing, but uh, that's not what they were throwing. No. Anyways, uh, the original I point- I tried to let it go. No, that's I fine. really did. That's fine. Fair enough. My original point was I kind of agree that Oceanside was useless, but it was fun to see them ride in and save the day. I, I must admit, I kind of enjoyed that. Unnecessary, but yeah. Sure. But fun. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Finally, Chris in Toronto writes, holy goddamn crap. How many hallucinations do we have to see Morgan having? At this rate, I think everyone is so tired of Morgan having hallucinations that we'll all be glad for him to cross over into the other show. Yeah. He'll leave all his hallucinations far behind as he walks southwest. Yep. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure that's what's about to happen. So, all right. Thank you so much for every everyone uh thank you everyone for writing in the app can't talk well, anymore I, I thank i i'm thankful for everyone yeah me too <laughs> let's just really quick what's going to happen now is of course fear the walking dead has premiered what i think we'll do is use this week to focus on the walking dead season finale and then next monday after episode two of season four of fear has aired we will record a double podcast talking about the first two episodes, both of them. We did that last year because they played two episodes on one night, if you recall, and it seemed to work out okay. So, Right, so we're going to fake it. We're, we're gonna, gonna, just going to double up on the second episode and pretend that uh, it was a double episode, and here we go. Pretty much, yeah. We're just going to assume that Fear didn't premiere until next week, and we'll talk about it then. So, uh, right. you know, if you haven't watched it yet, in, get get going on that, watch that, and we'll be podcasting about that next Monday. So yeah. I'm not going to watch the this episode until after Thursday's podcast. Just so it doesn't cloud your judgment of anything? Yeah. Not going to cloud anything. I'm not going to think about Morgan uh, being in the episode. If he is, in fact, in the episode, I have no idea at this moment. Nobody tell me. Okay. Uh, it's a good idea. I've already seen part of it. Um, and <laughs> I'll just stop talking about it now then. So I don't spoil Sweet. anything just, for you. You know, if you actually said that it was a TV show that did premiere last week, I'd probably get mad at you for spoilers. So just we'll move on. We will move on. All right. So everyone, if you'd like to get in touch, send in your feedback for Thursday's feedback show. You can do that by visiting our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on send voicemail up at the top. You can also just record stuff into your phone if you have a smartphone and send us those uh, audio files. That's a really good way to get a high-quality audio recording. You can also send us email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. We will read as many of those as we can. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. All righty, that is going to do it for season eight, at least in terms of recapping. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.